Aren't you glad that we have a local church? Yes. I'll tell you what, I had a hard time, had to miss Tuesday night, you know, and it was hard for me to miss Tuesday night. It's just been so rich, and I don't say that because if you missed, it should have been hard. For, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying, like, I was home, you know, the devil was seemingly winning against me, but he wasn't, you know, but I was under attack, and and I had to stay home, and part of that was because I care about everybody else. <laughs> but, uh, but I didn't like it. I like to come together because I know that I'm receiving something from God. And again, that word receiving, we have to be careful about that. Not that we don't receive material blessings and things like that, but, but when I talk about receiving from God, I'm talking about those things that, that, that you can't uh, put words on, yeah. that are invaluable, right? Yeah. You, ever, you can't pay for it. Yeah. You can't just, you can't go out and get it anywhere else either, right? right. Just things that God wants to put on the inside of us. I'm just so thankful for that. It it's not at Walmart. My husband wants me to say, it ain't at Walmart. Right. <laughs> and it, nothing's at the mall. <laughs> You've been there lately? <laughs> I don't even call it our mall. I'm <laughs> like, I don't know what that mall is, but it's not a mall anymore. Well, praise the Lord. Today, we're going to be talking about sowing and reaping. Ah, you said we're not talking about material things. Well, you know, we're going to get into some of this. Uh, you know, there's this biblical principle of sowing and reaping, and it is important for us to understand. And we haven't talked about it even that much lately around here. But uh, we're going to talk about that because there's some important things to address and some, some misconceptions about this. And so we want to get into this. So we're going to talk about sowing and reaping. We're going to realize that it's not just about money not just about material things. If you think, when you hear the term sowing and reaping, you automatically think, oh, we're gonna talk about money. Well, that's a problem because we have a misconception that when God talks about sowing and reaping, it's all about material stuff. That is really a very vain way of looking at scripture. It cheapens the word of God to think of sowing and reaping, automatically our mind goes to material. We gotta get beyond that, okay? So we're gonna do that today, we're gonna try to. You know, when I was studying some of these things out, something, this word came to me, and I was like, ooh, this is interesting. The word karma came to me. Anybody ever heard of karma? Yeah. Some of you might have even used that terminology. I guess it's by bad karma. Anybody ever? Well, don't raise your hand. <laughs> but some of us have probably even used that terminology. And we know that karma is kind of this new age or this, you know, other world religion concept of this kind of cause and effect that if you do good, you get good. And if you do enough good, you get even more good. And everything is determined by what you do. And if we're not careful, and many of us have not been very careful, <laughs> but if we're not careful, we will make sowing and reaping a Christian version of karma. And it's not karma with God. Listen, there is a difference between a spiritual law and a spiritual principle. In fact, I'm not sure there's very many spiritual laws. You know what a law is? The, like the law of gravity. I'm not scientific. Anybody real good at science in here? I am. No. <laughs> Better than me. There's some laws, right? Like things that are like, yes, every time this is what it is. Name one for me. You got one? That, some smart people, thanks buddy, some smart people have figured out that if this happens, this always happens. If this is in motion, this all, you know, this is the result every time. That's a law. 
A principle is it's it's a good foundation. It is true, a true concept. It is a fundamental idea. But it doesn't mean that every time I do something good, I'm going to get something good. Every time I sow something good, I'm going to reap the equivalent. Or if I sow enough good, 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 I always have all good, 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 good. Get it? And we've really turned sowing and reaping into some sort of law or some sort of Christian karma. And we have to be careful about that because you know what that does? It almost makes us God and God not God. Because God is still a God of mercy. God is still a God of grace. God is a God who overlooks things sometimes just because he loves us. Oh, am I allowed to say that? That sometimes you fall so short, but God still blesses you so abundantly. That's not karma. And so when we talk about things like it's all on what we do, everything relies on what we do, that is taking the authority and the sovereignty of God away. God is a gracious God. He's a sovereign God. Did you know that? We work with God, but we are not God. And so... Don't twist what I'm saying. Don't make it be that, oh, now I don't have to do anything good. I'm not saying that. We're going to get into this today. There's some truth in the ideas of karma, and that's why people have kind of taken this worldly concept. They take these worldly ways of looking at things, things that have kind of filtered into our world, in our society, and they take them and they, they use them to help explain God. That's not how we're supposed to look at the world. We're supposed to look at the world through this lens, through God's lens, and, and then God explains the things that we see out there. But I really want to get beyond this kind of idea that we really control every single thing in life. We are not God. Right. We're not God. Right. Karma is from Hinduism, Buddhism. It's from, it's, that's not how God operates. There's some truth to these ideas, but listen to this. God is not relying on our good choices to bless us. But our good choices do make it easier on him and easier on us. <laughs> so that's what we have to understand. Do you see the balance here? I hope we're going to get into this more. Don't let anybody try to, you know, twist what I'm saying here. I'm not saying that somebody who teaches, you know, who even calls this a law is is wrong. I'm not saying they're trying to do anything to manipulate anybody. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying that if we aren't careful, some of our terminology will end up sounding a lot like some of these concepts that are actually opposite of God. We have to be careful about these things. Uh, We're going to talk about sowing and reaping as a principle of scripture. All right. Okay. So uh, let's go to Luke chapter six. Well, praise the Lord. (laughs) You know, there's spiritual principles we're going to talk about, um, like There's a principle of love, that when you act in love, typically love is reflected back on you, right? If you are a forgiving person, typically people are more forgiving with you. Like, there are some principles that are really good to live by. I believe that the word, first and foremost, tells us who our God is, what our God did for us, how we connect with God, but then it tells us a whole lot of principles to live by. You know, the Proverbs, the Psalms, those are not like, this is um, every single time you do this, this is what happens. That's not, that's not how the world works. You know that we live in a fallen world. Yeah. Sometimes you do a lot of really good things, but you still get attacked. Yeah. You still have a lot of bad things happen. Anybody felt like that? Has anybody ever felt like I must have screwed up somewhere because a lot of bad stuff has been happening to me? Yeah. I mean, raise your hand. I bet you 
look at this. And that's what I'm trying to break away from today. That everything that happens to you is not because you didn't do enough good. Everything bad that happens is not because you didn't do enough good. Everything good that happens doesn't mean, when you see somebody getting like, anybody, well, we'll raise our hand again. Anybody seen somebody getting like so abundantly blessed? They never have an issue. Their kids, everything's perfect. Everything is so good. They have everything they've ever wanted. They have this dream life. And you know they're the, can I say crappy? The crappiest person. You know they're like the crappiest person out there. And you're like, how are they getting everything so good? You ever felt that way? Karma's not a real principle with God. The real thing is, is we live in a fallen world. There are things that happen in life that are out of our control. It's not that we control the universe by everything good that we've done. Do we understand that? All right, well, I said crappy, so we can move on. (laughs) I don't think that's a swear word. Is it a swear word? If your parents told you it's a swear word, don't say it. (laughs) Until you're 18. Well, no, no, no. All right, Luke chapter 6, verse 37 and 38. I think I'm going to read this in the NIV. It says, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. See, people have taken that last scripture that says, give, and it will be given. And I think I've done this myself, honestly. And they've taken it and turned it into some sort of law, like no matter what, if you give, you're always getting this back in this abundant measure. Now listen, we know according to scripture that if, if we keep pressing on, if we don't faint, if we don't lose heart, we are going to reap good. Some of the good we'll reap, and my husband's been talking about this on Tuesday nights, some of the good that we'll reap will be right here in this life. on this earthly life. But a lot of that good and most of that good that we're going to reap is when we see our glorified body someday, when we see Jesus face to face someday. This is the promise. That's the ultimate promise of God. That matters way more than whether or not we get that $100 that we just put into the bucket. I just want that $100 back. You said that if I give, it's given back to me. Well, yes, there's a principle. And and we're going to see that. Look at what it says. It says, do not... Uh, judge and you will not be judged. So here's the concept that it's saying. If you're a judgmental person, if you're always judging everybody else, if you're always pointing fingers at everybody else, guess what? You're probably going to have people looking at you the same way. If you're an unforgiving person and you're always holding grudges, people are probably going to hold grudges against you. If you're generous with people, guess what? Anybody ever had somebody be really generous with them and you know what you want to do back? You want to be generous back to them. These are a pr- This is a principle, a good standard of living. And it's not... It's not that we do these things just to get these things. We do these things because we've already gotten these things. We've already escaped judgment from Jesus. We've already been forgiven because of Jesus. We've already been given everything. God is the most generous with us that he could have ever been. So we don't do these things to get these things. We do these things because we've gotten these things. And so just as we want others to reflect this back on us, we want, we want to reflect that back on God. Yeah. The forgiveness. We forgive because he, we're forgiven. That's right. We're not going to, you know, what is the, oh, I think I'll get to this. Let's just keep going here. I hope this is good. Does this mean, okay, that every time you're forgiving, everyone is going to be forgiving towards you? No. 
no, you all didn't even have to think hard about that. See, and so this is what I'm saying. We, that's the, what we have to get away from, this idea that no matter what I do, I, as long as I do everything right, everything right is going to reflect back on me. That is not how life works. We live in a fallen world. We deal with people, and we deal with their free will. We deal with people who are influenced by things that are not God. We deal with a lot of things that we cannot control. But that does not mean that we don't live according to scriptural principles. Because by and large, when we live like this, life is going to work out a whole lot better for us. And I'll tell you what, no matter what, when we live towards God, when we seek God with our whole hearts, we are going to reap if we do not lose heart. But it's not a law that every single time this happens, this automatically happens. That is like karma. We have to get beyond that. And so that would help us understand sometimes why things aren't working out and stop letting us condemn ourselves like we must have just been crappy this week. I was going to say sucked. (laughs) You know, I mean, because we do that to ourselves. And actually, preachers do that to people. They preach things like that, and we've probably done it ourselves. And God forgive us if we have. And we repent before you all if we have. If we've ever preached something that has made you feel like you must have failed so bad, and that's why this is happening to you. Because God forbid that we would ever present God that way to people. That you you just are a loser. So this is why, because the karma kicked in. People don't call it karma, but they teach it like it's karma. God is a merciful God. He's a gracious God. God gave us principles to live by, but he also told us that we were going to deal with stuff on this earth and that if we didn't faint, if we didn't lose heart, we would reap the goodness of God. We would see the goodness of God even in the land of the living, but, but even more so when we get to see him face to face. And he also told us that this life is a vapor. So these things would help us to not get so bent out of shape. This morning when I, when I literally was like, I can't see anything, I cannot read a word, I changed the font really big, I couldn't even see it. I was like, what is happening to me? An attack. Yeah. So I was like, to be honest with you, I was shaking kind of uncontrollably. Ezra was like, what's wrong with you? I was like, I'm nervous. What's happening to me? I was trying to put contact lenses in, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm crying because I felt the pressure, because it felt real, right? God said things would come against us, but I was like, nope, I can't lose heart. I can't faint. I have to keep going. Honey, pray for me, because we believe in prayer. We believe in faith. We believe in trusting God. We have to walk that out. I could have said, you know what? Let's find somebody to to do the service for us. Neither one of us can do it. You know, last night we were kind of laughing. It was like dueling, what is it, dueling banjos, dueling pianos. We're like, whose body works better today? (laughs) Who who can stand in the pulpit? That was what last weekend was, and this weekend turned out to be kind of the same thing, but we're not going to lose heart. We're not going to faint. We are not going to believe that everything that happens to us or comes against this church or comes against somebody in this church or comes against us personally is because we just did so many bad things. We're just screwing up so bad that that's why things aren't working out right now. No, God is not a God of karma. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of grace. He's a God of Put your whole trust in with me, and I will not fall short. I will not fail you. He promised that he has not failed us. He has never left us. He's never forsaken us. I'm getting away from my message, but I really hope that we can drive this understanding home. If you go back, if you don't believe me that those scriptures are really more talking about principle, that this is a good way to live, that that will be reflected back on you if you live that way, if you just went up to Luke 6.31, 
Um, can we pull that up, Luke 631? I know I didn't give you scriptures, but that's okay. Look at this. This is just a few verses before what we were reading. Do to others as you would have them do to you. And then it goes on to say, if you judge, if you don't judge, you won't be judged. If you forgive, you'll be forgiven. If you give, it'll be given back to you. This is the context of this scripture. Principles to live by. These are the way God wants us to live. And when we do things God's way, life works out better for us. And not only that, but when we do things God's way, it keeps us connected to God. Yes. You know, the Lord reveals or reminds me all the time about what Jesus did for us. What Jesus did for us is he tore the veil between us and the Holy of Holies. He tore the veil between us and our Heavenly Father. Sin separated, a world of sin separated, right? We were in darkness because of sin of humanity. But when Jesus paid for us, the best thing he did for us is he ripped that veil. He ripped that barrier between us and God. That's why it's so important that you learn how to be led for the Spirit of God for yourself because Jesus paid for you to be able to be led by the Spirit of God for yourself. Do you know how important that is? I'm not going to lord over your life. It's so important that you don't expect somebody else to rule your life. The Holy Spirit is your umpire. He's the one who tells you which way to go, which what to do. That's what we're supposed to aim for. You know, our good friend has been teaching lately about the prophethood of the, of the believer. And it's not even, you, don't twist those words because we get all these words and we get a loop. I'm not saying everybody is a prophet like scripture says, but everybody has a knowing and an unction and an utterance from God on the inside. We look at what 1 John 2, 20, 2, 27, it says that no, you're not, uh, you don't need that anyone should teach you. You know why? It's not that you don't need somebody to teach the word to you, but what it's saying is you don't need anybody to teach you the unction of God on the inside. If something seems off, it's off. If something seems right, it's probably right. Yeah, if something makes you feel dirty, if something makes you feel condemned, if something confuses you, and you're pressing on and you're trying to live for God and something just doesn't sit right, it's not right. And guess what? God is so just that even if it wasn't wrong, but you perceived it to be wrong, that he would help you walk that out, that he would not condemn you for, for following that leading. Even if you do something in faith, you know, trusting God um, that isn't perfect, like, even if you perceive that God has for you to do something, maybe he, maybe you perceive that he had you to give an offering to somebody or to bless somebody or to, to offer to serve somebody this way or to go talk to somebody and you did it and you followed it and it didn't even pan out. There seemed to be no fruit from it. And maybe you were like, well, God wasn't even in it. Well, maybe it wasn't God's leading, but the fact that you believed it was and you trusted him, that blessed him because yes. God said that it's faith that pleases him and faith Faith is trusting him. And how are we ever going to learn if we don't step out and do things? You know, you could, you could go to 40 people, 100 people. You could go to somebody every single day, every single hour, and try to witness to them and tell them about God. You could believe that the Lord was leading you to do it. And there could be no fruit and no fruit and no fruit and no fruit. And as that process is happening, he's honing that ability to hear him on the inside. I don't know why I'm like wave surfing up here. It's like flowing with God, I guess. But he's honing that ability to hear from him. And then, then that, that hundredth time or that, you know, 50th time or whatever, the 30th person you went to that day, and all of a sudden you got the right words to say. All of a sudden that person's giving their heart to the Lord. All of a sudden you had direction to help somebody. Why is that wrong? I mean, I would rather fail a million times, but at least I'm trying yeah. 
than not even try at all because I'm afraid of failing. I want to get beyond that fear of failing God. God does not look at us as we're failing him. If we're trying our best to serve him, we're not failing him. He loves us. He's working it out with us. He's helping us walk it out. I just think it's so awesome that God is so merciful. We are not God over our life. God is God over our life. And because when we put our trust in him, he's blessed by that. That's not even in my notes, but praise the Lord. That's for somebody. All right. So <laughs> Jesus was already forgiving towards you, so you ought to be forgiving towards others because that's the better way. Jesus helped you escape judgment, so let others escape your judgment. And I don't mean you don't judge between right and wrong. Yeah. You can know when something's right or wrong, and you should. But I'm saying you don't, you don't beat them down. You don't hold it. I mean, and holding it against them doesn't mean you just all of a sudden let them back into your life to screw it up again. But you just don't sulk. You just don't consider it to be something that weighs on you or you have to fight against. You just go on with life and go on with God and just at peace in your mind with all people, right? You just get to the point where you're just at peace in your mind with all people. Doesn't mean you let them walk on you, but you just don't hold on to it anymore. Do you understand the difference? There's just balance in all these things. <clears throat> and then we get to Luke 6:38, which we read, give and it'll be measured back to you. Right? Like I said, the principle is this. If you're generous, others will generally be generous with you. And God has already been generous with you. And so God even lives by these same principles. This, this is God's character. This word shows us his character. Right. He's like, I've been generous, so maybe they'll be generous back to me. Yeah. And then maybe we can get something done. Yeah. So when we hear these scriptures, give and it shall be given. Well, I, you know, I'd like to change the wording a little bit, uh, the way people use it. Give because it's already been given. But it's not even talking about... Uh, God giving it back to us. It's talking about principles of how we interact in this world with each other. Amen? Amen. But it's showing us the character of God in that. Amen. The error in the body of Christ is that there's certain ways of viewing the Bible story that create false narratives that create a God of karma. <laughs> we have to be so careful about thinking of God as just one of these other, you know, not real gods. Yeah. He didn't create some powerful force that you can just buy everything you want with your good behavior. <laughs> you get reward system. God is not a God of uh, you earned enough points on that video game of life. And so now you get to buy the special tools. Now you get to have that, you know, whatever. I used to play The Sims. And then, yeah, the upgrades. Now you get the upgrades because you did enough, right? You, we get that. I just did enough goods. Now I get all the upgrades I want. God has already been generous with us. How about this? How about we seek God for his plan and his path, and we just trust him that anything he has for us along the way, it'll be there. So if there's something that blesses us, he'll, he'll get it over to you. You know, we used to be so poor. But it meant something to us to be able to take our family on a vacation. It mattered to us. That time away was precious. That time away from having to do the household chores, having to get the kids to, you know, do their homework or, or to help around the house or to, you know, pick up after themselves and all that stuff of life or, or going to work and, and, you know, being in the same neighborhood and the same house and, and just feeling like you've just seen everything and done everything. It mattered to us to get away, to get away from the pressure of life, to get away to have that relaxation, to see new things, to gather with our family. And we had no money. But you know, over the years, the Lord always brought 
the supply in our path along the way. Not because we were going to people and going, I really want to get a vacation. Hint, hint. I hope you can pay for one. Hint, hint. You know, good Christians are generous. <laughs> and I really, really want a vacation. No, because God found a way. There were weird ways God got things over to us. Creative ways, probably dumb ways sometimes. Yeah. We were the queen and king of peanut butter and jelly. I mean, I have really learned how to make a whole lot of sandwiches on my lap in the car. <laughs> sometimes, just for the fun of it, we do it after Cory Church on Saturday nights. I'm like, let's get some bread, let's make some peanut butter and jelly. You know, we got real good at, at low budget, whatever we had to do to get that time away because it meant something to us. But God blessed us along the way. There would be times where we're about to go on a vacation and, and we weren't hinting at people but maybe some just faithful person in the church was like I want to give your kids some spending money for their trip wow thank you or, or we'd get care packages of snacks and treats and food that we could eat not as pastors as church people but you know what it's not wrong to do that for anybody regardless it's wrong if somebody demands it from you but it's not wrong if it's on your heart do things like that for each other why not do you know how what a blessing it was when people would do that they didn't even know what a testimony to God's goodness they were being in our lives by giving us pretzels and, and, you know, chocolate-covered flips. Those are good. <laughs> hint, hint. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, we had this faithful uh, Christian sister in, um, in church when we were growing up, Sarah Wilkins. She was awesome. She always had the most beautiful clothes for her daughter, Rebecca. And her daughter was just like a year older than Ezra. And it was like, I mean, she never thought uh, to ask for money or she never, nothing. I mean, she wouldn't probably even like me saying her name here, but she just blessed us with all the most beautiful clothes for Ezra, her whole childhood. It was like the most beautiful dresses. We have all these pictures and I'm like, Sarah gave us that, Sarah gave us that, Sarah gave us that. Oh, that was one of Becca's dresses. That was one of Becca's pairs of shoes. It was just such a blessing. God supplied in just wonderful ways through people just being faithful, you know? And um, I just, God is so good. It wasn't just because we did enough good so we got good. We were trying to do right in life. It was just because God loved us and people loved us and people were trying to be good Christians and we were trying to be good Christians. And by and large, when we're all just trying to do right, things work out better for us all. Some, uh, the King James Version of Luke 6.38 says, Shall men pour into your bosom? That actually, I think, puts it even more into context, right? We do good, we receive good. We're good to people, people are good back to us. I think it's really um, a blessing. It's not a law that every time you give, somebody's giving back to you, but by and large, when you're generous, people are going to reciprocate that. All right, do we get that now? Yes. Yeah, okay, so we don't want to lose sight of that. We, okay, oh yeah, I have this. We can't lose sight of this truth, that we are blessed because we have a loving Father who cares for and provides for us. We don't give to get, but we give because of love. We give because it's good and because He's good. We don't do it because our actions move His hand. That's not why we give. That's not why we tithe. That's not why we sow into the offering. We don't do it because we're following some law that we must obey. The Old Testament was, a, was showed us that laws don't work for the heart of man. That laws and meaning legal and everything's a rule. You know, I do believe that living by scripture is a good rule of thumb. It's a very important thing. It helps us out in life. And I do believe that God would call us to be tithers and givers and generous. 
but he's not gonna he's not gonna curse us. Ooh, am I allowed to say that? Yeah. That God's not cursing yeah, you? I'm allowed to say it here. <laughs> he's, not cur- he's not looking to curse you. He's a good father. He's merciful. He's gracious. His mercies are new every morning. So if you fell short, he's forgiving you. Now, don't take that as an excuse to not do right. But you know what? Even if you do, that's between you and God. I can't control that if you choose not to do right. That's up to you and God. I'm not going to come to you and be like, you're missing it here. I will tell you if the Lord tells me to tell you, I'm telling you right now. Overall, if you take what I'm saying as as a liberty to sin or liberty to go against the principles of God or liberty to just, I don't have to do that anymore. If something's on your heart, check with God why it's on your heart and make sure it's right before the Lord. And you know what? If you're looking for excuses not to do right, that's your problem already. So if you're a person who, who you know or others around you know that you're looking for excuses, you know your spouse sometimes will know if you're looking for excuses not to do right. My husband, we were at, we were somewhere over the summer and he was about to do something and I said, not doing it from the right motive. I corrected him because a good wife does, not in a mean way, but in a loving way. I said, you're not doing it from the right motive. I mean, I said it in a real kind way, I think, but I said it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm on one today. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, But you know what? He said, okay, you know, and the next day he made a different, he made the same decision he wanted to make the day before, but he had his heart cleaned up about it. There's a difference. Yeah. But you know, and sometimes your spouse knows, and if you're somebody who's always looking for an excuse to, you know, do something you know you shouldn't be doing, well, you know, that's, that's not something I'm giving you freedom to do. Yeah. You know, I'm telling you, you should live for God, but God is not a God of bondage. He's not a God of laws. He was a God of laws in the Old Testament just to prove that laws would never rule over the heart of man. Yeah. That the only way for the heart of man to come to God cleanly was, was through the sacrifice of the Lord. All right, anyway, Galatians 6 1. Mm-hmm. What do I have here? Oh, yes. Okay. So I have here written down with, with all of this where the freedom comes from is that I know God is for me that he freely gives and withholds no good thing from those who walk uprightly. I must demonstrate my love towards him taking on this same image. Because remember that the Bible is a mirror for us. We're supposed to look in this mirror and we're supposed to adjust ourselves accordingly. It's not a real mirror, but that's what we're supposed to do. And so as we look at these next, this next set of scriptures, we're going to look at it like it's a mirror for us. All right, Galatians 6, 1 through 10. I, I think I'm in the NIV. I'm, I might not be. But it says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in, in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Wow, that's a good way of doing something, gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. My, that sounds a lot like judge not and you will not be judged, right? Huh. Restore them gently, help restore them, and then maybe when you fall short, someone will help restore you gently. Yeah. Well, goodness. But watch yourselves, or you may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. 
the Lord has been really dealing with me about carrying each other's burdens a lot. At some point, I'll probably preach a message about it. But there's a lot with that. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then, that, then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else, for each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Now listen, there is principle in that, right? Like it's not wrong that if somebody feeds you spiritually that they should partake of the natural things. And you know how that works? You know, my husband gets a salary from this church. We call it a two for one. <laughs> one salary, two of us should get us both. But that works because, you know, we know God is good and I've got a job that's an avenue of increase for our lives and all that stuff. And I'm not saying that out of any kind of like, woe is us. I'm not. We just kind of laugh about it. It's like two for one. <laughs> but, um, when you tithe, when you give, when you're generous with the local church, you know that it helps provide. Not, not The salary doesn't go up based on what comes into the bucket, but there is a salary and part of what comes into the church helps provide for the pastor so that he can continue to teach the word. Do you know that's right? That's scriptural? That's what it's talking about? It doesn't mean that every time you get something, you have to come to us and give us some of it. Although a heart of being generous and being grateful does consider that. If I want a million dollars, would I consider my pastor? I'm, I mean, just think about it. I'm just saying, I'm not saying you have to. I'm just saying, you know, I might because I know that my pastor's not going out and, you know, I, I shouldn't say win a million dollars, earned a million dollars, right? You know, but I, I would think that way. There's, there's some truth to that. Um, just like if I had something good come into my life, I'd want to share it with my, my natural family. If I had, if I got a million dollars come into my life, I'd share it with the church. I'd share it with people. I, there's a lot of things that I would love to do, but you know what? I know the Lord doesn't typically work that way. He typically works with regular faithfulness. You know, he can bring big lump sums. We just got a check in, in the office, a check for the offering. Uh, we have people all the time. You guys don't even know how blessed this church is. There are people, and I believe, can I say this? I believe that this is because sometimes there's people within the walls that won't be faithful. So God brings people without the outside of the walls to be faithful. I'm not calling you unfaithful. You know that between you and God. But I'll tell you what. There have been so many blessings that have come to this church from people who have never sat, stepped foot in here, who have never sat in these seats, people who have not even been able to tune in online. They've just heard of the good work that's happening here and they wanted to be generous towards it. There are so many people that you have no idea and we're like, God, you are so good. When, when things seem to be running short in here, when... when Things have uh, shifted and there's not much coming in from the seats. We, uh, God always seems to provide from other people. It's interesting how that works. But don't use that as an excuse to say, well, God will just bring it from the outside. So that gives me some freedom. That's not what I'm saying. See, you don't twist these things. Our heart should be to do the things God has called us to do. Our heart should be to do right and to do good. But it's not bondage. It's not a law. It's not God's going to strike you down and curse you if you don't do it. Your heart with God is between you and God. It is. Now, as a pastor, I have to stand up here and preach truth. I have to, we have to do that. And you know what? It's not fun. I wish I never had to talk about people being generous to God. I really do. I wish I never had to say it. I wish I never had to talk about people loving one another. Yeah. I wish I never had to tell you. I wish that you just saw it in the word and everybody lived by it. But we don't. We're humans. We fall short. So I get the, the 
call in life to sometimes have to stand up here and say the tough things. But I hope that I'm still, like Jess told me one time, like the mama that's just, you know, she's correcting you, but, you know, loves you. I hope you know I love you. I hope when I preach the word to you and when this boldness comes on me that you know it's out of love. You know, I have to live by these things as well. I don't get to, to just shirk my responsibilities of being a Christian and just forget all the good that God has done for me either. You know, I can't do that. We, none of us should do that. <clears throat> oh boy, I have places. We're going here. All right, where are we? Um, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. See, even in context here, we're talking about this. Like if we, if we focus on the, the sinful flesh, not all flesh, your body, you do need to take care of your body. Do you know that God loves your body? He does. He took care of you. He built you. He wants you healthy. He wants you whole. He loves who he made you. Package, tent, vessel, and all. <laughs> right? He does. But what it's talking about here is if you sow to the sinful flesh, if you give in to the sinful nature, if you do the things that are opposite of the things of God, that's what it's talking about. If you live opposite of God, you're going to reap corruption. That's the principle in action, that you can't live opposite of God and think everything's going to work out hunky-dory for you. You know why? Because as we live close to God, as we live in righteousness, as we do our best to serve him, it brings us closer to him. We're in his light. We have his clarity. We have his direction. We have, we have his protection because we're, we're walking with him. But as we separate ourselves from him and we get into the darkness, right? Right? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what does it say? I don't have to fear any evil if his rod and his staff are with me. But how is his rod and his staff with me? When I walk for him, when I live for him, when I do my best. Not perfection, but doing your best. Amen? Okay. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, look at the context of all of this. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Amen. My goodness gracious. And who he's writing to here in, in Galatians, he's writing to the Galatians here, and he's just telling them to remember. You know, if we go back like to Galatians 5, we talk about the works of the flesh, you know, what the evident works of the flesh, of the sinful flesh. And then we look at the works and the fruits of the spirit. And then he goes on to this and he's talking about sowing towards the spirit, doing the things that God has called us to do, not the things your flesh, your sinful flesh is calling you to do, but the things God is calling you to do. Help carry each other's burdens. Do good to Christians. Do good to other believers. We should do good to the world, but especially those who are part of this family. How would it be if you took care of somebody else's arm, but the whole time, you left your arm broken. Yeah. I mean, think about that. We're supposed to take care of each other. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. This concept of sowing and reaping is found all over Scripture, and it could and does somewhat apply to money and generosity, but that's not all it's talking about. It's talking about a life of living how you want to be reciprocated, of living what God already did for you, of living the forgiveness, of living the goodness, of living the, the generosity that God already gave to you. Amen? Amen. And as you do that, you reflect God's character and hopefully in turn, and by and large in turn, you're going to see that reflected back on you. That's what it's about. 
It's a good principle of the word. <clears throat> All right, I gotta skip ahead a little bit. <laughs> oh yes, my husband mentioned that the New Testament does not specifically tell us we have to tithe. There is not a law that says you must tithe in the New Testament, but I'm gonna tell you right now, I believe that by and large we're called to do more. You know why? Because the Old Testament gave us the basics. It gave us, this is what a good Christian life looks like. This is what a godly life looks like. And then the New Testament took it even further and said, look at what God has done for you. And now look at how you should reciprocate God's actions towards you. But, but if we do it because it's some sort of law, we're doing it all wrong. If we're doing, if we're, if we're sowing anything, whether it's material, financial, love, generosity, goodness, forgiveness, kindness, right? My dad taught me when I was a kid that if somebody really cuts you off in traffic, that instead of flicking them off, you just go, hi, have a great day. It was so nice to see you today. And you kill him with kindness. But he was not doing it to be nice. He was doing it to make them even more mad. You know, we can be kind to our enemies, you know. I'll just rub it in that I don't actually like you, but you got to be nice to me because I'm being nice to you. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about being who you want, you know, being God on this earth to people. Not the God of this earth, but being godly to people, being the reflection of God. Amen? Well, <laughs> praise the Lord. But uh, I believe this. There are some people that if they're just tithing, uh, aren't doing enough for God. And I'm not saying you're, you're failing God, but I'm saying you're not being generous enough. You know, if a millionaire gives, you know, a tithe every year, what's that, a million dollars? Uh, a mil a hundred million dollars gives ten million dollars a year, let's say that. Say you have a hundred million dollar paycheck every year and you give ten million. People would think you hung the moon, oh my goodness, ten million dollars, wow, you really did so much for God. But what if somebody who makes ten thousand dollars a year gives a thousand dollars a year? So you're telling me that somebody can live off of ninety million dollars a year and another person can live off of nine thousand and they're both being equally generous with God that's what making it a law does that's what I'm saying what if the person with ten thousand give a hundred dollars a year and now you're not gonna that that would still be more generous our friend told us this this he uh, told us about this um, uh, church it was a big church and they were raising money for um, a building program and there's nothing wrong with that right and they they put it before the people and they said on such and such date we're gonna come together and we're gonna see what we have right what we can do and and what God has brought in for us and there's nothing wrong with that like that's what you would do for your own household but what happened as as the minister is preaching two older women came up with coins in their hands and they were about to put them in the bucket and the minister said no coins, no coins, bills only, bills only. And so the little old women turned around with their coins and didn't put it into the bucket. That's wrong. <laughs> you know, I recall the story of the two mites in scripture. But again, if we hear these things and we go, oh, now I'm at liberty to do nothing for God. Well, then fine, that's fine. That's between you and God. But you might not have a local church. You might not have a building. Do you know what I'm saying? Like we, we, our heart should be, what is my part in all of this? Not what is the law that I must follow, but what is my part in all of this? And if you're just trying to do the bare minimum for God, then that is a heart issue. We got to check our hearts. But listen, everybody goes through times of tough. 
Now, everybody goes through times of living above their means as well, and we shouldn't be doing that. That's not good Christian principle either. But everybody goes through times of tough. Are you telling me that God can never see, see beyond you falling short that week? I just don't buy it. No. I just can't see God that way. And maybe, maybe all are you going to take that as an opportunity and as liberty to never do for God or give to God and then we won't have a church? Well, that's between you and God, and God's not going to punish me for it. But I really believe that when we tell people that the only way they have good is if they do enough good for God, that is damaging to people, and it's bondage. We, our heart should be, what is our part in all of this? If I increase, is my thought, yes, I can buy more stuff? Or is my thought... What is, what is God's part in all of this? Did I increase because I'm called to be a bigger supply because somebody else can't be? Do we think about that? Do we ever think about that? Listen, I'm grateful for the blessings that come through the mail. I'm so grateful for them. But really, if that was the way I paid my bills in my own household, that wouldn't be good. It would be way better if I, if, if I brought it and, and took care of what was needed, right? And I'm not saying this. This is not a message to, to put anybody in bondage. This is a message to check our own hearts. What does God have for us to do? It's, yeah, it should free us from bondage. It's not a law. We don't do for God out of some sort of law. We do for God out of a heart to be generous back to the one who is generous to us, to be good back to the one who is good to us. That is why we do these things that we do. Somebody taught us once or told us, maybe they didn't teach us, but maybe it just was something we perceived. But somebody once said that the people who, who give you the most are the people who honor you the most. Well, I don't believe that giving the most is always financial. I just really don't. I don't believe that financial um, money is always the um, indicator of how honorable somebody is. But I do believe that it can be, it can be an indicator of how honorable somebody is if they're not doing what God's called them to do, right? But, but see, there's balance. Do you see the balance? Am I mincing my words? Is this clear? Okay. All right, we're going to go up to... I'm going to skip ahead because, oh my goodness, you're all, some of you are falling asleep. <laughs> no, I'm serious. <laughs> Let's wake up. Let's pay attention because this is good for our lives. Amen? All right, so we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 8. <laughs> <laughs> I love everybody. Um, verse 1. <laughs> and now, brothers and sisters, 2 Corinthians 8, 1, and this is the NIV. It says, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. That's really interesting. So they're being commended here, and the Corinthians are being told about the Macedonians, who even though they were going through a trial of poverty and they didn't have, they were, they just had this faith in God well up in them that called them to be generous, and they, they obeyed it. And he's talking to the Corinthians about this. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in, a rich, in, a, in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. See, God will deal with your heart. <clears throat> but you got to obey it when he does, or, you know, maybe he won't deal with it anymore. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged, that's, that could be a whole sermon, 
Our heart, our goal as Christians is to give ourselves first of all to the Lord. And then you know what the Bible says, follow us as we follow Christ. You know, if we're not following God and we're not encouraging you to follow God, then don't follow us. Seriously, run from us if that, run if that becomes the case, which I pray that it won't. Um, they gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, um, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Wow. So see, God is not, you know what he said? He said these things when people were talking, you know, uh, in Jesus, in the Gospels, and he said, when they were talking about the tithe and they were talking about, you know, these religious kind of duties. He said, these things you shouldn't have left, you shouldn't leave undone, but, but also do these bigger things, right? Well, it sounds to me that, that this is what Paul's encouraging them to do as well. Like, you're excelling in this and this and this and this and this. Continue to excel even when you think you can't, you can, because look at what the Macedonians did. So he's like, well-rounded, excelling in our walk with the Lord. It should always be our goal to just do all that we can do for God. I am not commanding you I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. Wow. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, last year you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it. According, <coughs> listen, according to your means. Yes. So when God has put something on your heart, you know there have been times where the Lord has put something on our heart to do for his kingdom, to bring in, you know, um, to, to sow towards something, for instance, and we did not have the money. Like, we did not, sure. you know? And, and how many of you are living in this economy right now? Are you feeling it sometimes? You know, you go to the grocery store, you're like, what did I even buy? What the heck? I, I remember when I paid $50 for a week's of, worth of groceries, and the other day I paid $50 to buy one dinner and maybe a couple random things, you know? And I'm like, what? So you feel it sometimes in the economy, right? Yes. So it's not talking about that, like, when you have abundance, you give abundantly. It's talking about when you've had something put on your heart, even if you don't have it, you trust God for it and you be faithful to it and you complete it. You see it through until the end. If, if God dealt with you to, pay, to give $1,000 or $5,000 or $10,000 to a missions trip, for instance, and you had $5 to your name, then you know what you do? You start with that $5. But you know what he's saying here? Don't forget what he dealt with you in your heart about. And if the next $5 comes in, give it. My husband taught about that, I think, Tuesday night. Was it Tuesday night? Or uh, I don't know. I was listening on live stream, but I think it might have been Tuesday night. He was talking about one time he was, um, <coughs> the Lord had dealt with him about giving into something. We didn't have any money. And he had prayed to God, Lord, bring it to me so you can bring it through me. And then it took a long time to get over to him. And then by the time he got it, he forgot that he had asked God for it to give. And so he went, oh, what do I get to spend this on? Right? Yeah. The first thought that we all have. Right? And then the Lord's like, remember you prayed for this? Like, remember you were seeking me for the ability to fulfill something I had put on your heart? It means that you just keep working towards it. If it's a dollar a week, God will bless that. 
I'm serious. And you know, one time Caleb had it on his heart to sow a, a significant for a teenager, a significant amount to somebody, and he didn't have it. He was going to have to rob Peter to pay Paul, and, and he really couldn't do that kind of thing. And so I was like, you know that $5 you might spend on coffee? Maybe you could sacrifice that. Maybe that's all you can sacrifice, but maybe you're willing to sacrifice that. You don't think God will bless you when you're tempted to go through the Starbucks drive-thru and spend $8 on a coffee? <laughs> and you go, oh wait, I know the Lord put it on my heart to contribute towards this, and I don't have that extra, so today I'm going to forgo that $8 coffee. Yeah. You don't think God will bless that? God will bless that more than you just winning the lottery and just throwing the lottery money in there. God blesses us, and, 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 and I, what I mean bless is he's blessed by he shines on that like it, it pleases him. It blesses God, and in turn, we're blessed as we bless God, not because of the law of sowing and reaping, but because we're blessed to be in God's good graces. We're blessed to please God. You know, it means something. It stirs us up in spirit when we know we've done something right before the Lord. So, you know, I'm not talking, and it says here, according to your means, for the willingness is there, <clears throat> no, wait, for if, this is important, for if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Think about that. That would make us stop looking at God as he's just always trying to take everything back from us. He's like, it's acceptable if your willingness, the willingness is what I'm looking for. The, the follow through is what I'm looking for, not the follow through. Like we want it now. How many of you have ever done this? God has put something on your heart to give, and then you almost treat it as it's become a bill now. And you're like, ah, oh, man, I have to have money for this bill. No, don't lose the willingness. Don't forget the heart behind it. God wanted us to be a part of it with him. You know, well, praise the Lord. <clears throat> Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that they're, oh, this is so good. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty supp will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. Whoa! When we have opportunity to do good, do good. And guess what? As we're generous, others will be generous back with us. As we give, it'll be measured back to us. Will others pour into our bosom? See what God's heart in all of this is? That we are this working together, I don't want to call it a machine, body. This body that works together. As one has abundance and other has lack, we cover that. It's not bondage. It's not some legal law of you must, must, must do this. If sometimes, what if you lose your job? You can't be a tither with no money. So now God's going to curse you because you didn't bring that tithe? No, but you know what? Your heart should be to work. Because God, you know, that's a principle that you don't work, you don't eat. You should be working, you know, if you have the ability. But what if you don't have the ability to work? What if your body can't do it? What if you're living on the only money you have is what the government has to, uh, to use to pay your rent and your, you know, you, all, all you get is food stamps and you don't have cash ever. Do you have to go find a way to cash in your food stamps to get some cash to bring it to God to be a tither? No, but what your heart should be is, Lord, help me get out of this so that I can be a part of this work. Do you see the balance in these things? I, what? You should share with. 
Okay. Aunt Jean and Aaron. Yes. Aunt Jean went through the surgery. I love that, right? So this is this is a really wonderful example, right? So Aunt Jean, our Aunt Jean, well, everyone's Aunt Jean, because we just absorb those nicknames like Uncle Russ, right? <laughs> Everybody's like, is Uncle Russ your uncle? No, he's just everybody's uncle now. <laughs> but Aunt Jean went through a surgery. She was in bed. How many weeks were you home in bed? Ten weeks. Ten weeks home in bed. She could not come to church. She was always faithful to watch online. She always is. She's watching every service online. I always see her name on there. Liking them, sharing them, loving us, telling us she's there with us. It's just precious. But uh, she's home, and Erin knows about it. Erin's been through things in her body. She recognizes that kind of, you know, pain of laying around and being alone. So you know what she does? Shows up, and she sits, sits with Aunt Jean. Just several times. She sat with her for hours. Maybe, maybe brought her food sometimes, I don't know, might have brought her food, might not have brought her food, not, might not have brought her anything but her company. But you know what? A, la a couple weeks ago, Erin's bedridden. She's in pain. She's dealing through it. And you know what Aunt Jean says? She says, you know what? We have soup Sunday. Erin's missing it. I'm going to load her up with soup for the week. And I'm going to go visit her and bring her this soup. That is the principle of as we're good to people, people are good back to us. See, a lot of Christians, they... That's what a local church is meant to be. That's what the body of Christ is meant to be. You're meant to be like that with even people that don't go to your own local church, you know? You can be good to people even if they don't sit in the same church. They're okay. God still loves people that go to a different church, by the way. I mean, it's different if they're fighting against the plan of God. There's some, you know, balance. Balance in all things. Oh, my time is up. Oh, goodness. Oh, that was his time. Tell that to the people sleeping. No, just kidding. <laughs> I love you all. I'm not looking at anybody. But, uh, you know, what was I going to say with this? Oh, this is that reciprocated principle that as we're good to others, others will be good back to us. As we love others, others will love us. And what fuels and what drives all of that? The love, the generosity, the forgiveness, the the the. Um, Get out of jail free card from the Lord is what fuels us to be good like that to other people. Amen? All right, where do I have to get here? Uh, praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. Okay, here it is. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. As it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Wow. Think about that. It's so precious. Oh, praise the Lord. All right. I got to skip ahead. I'm going to read what the Harper uh, Bible commentary says about this. It says, give up everything for others. You give up everything for others as Christ has given up everything for you. And they're asked, here they are asked only to contribute insofar as they are able out of their surplus. You're not asked to do what you can't do. God is not commanding you to do the things you cannot do. That's not an excuse to not do, but that is freedom to say, you know what, God knows where I'm at. Now listen, you twist it and you turn it into something I'm not saying, that's between you and God. And again, if none of us do our part, if we all take this message as liberty not to do anything for God, well, then we're not going to have a church to come back to. But, you know, that's not even between me and you. That's between you and God as well. 
But what he's calling us to do is what we're able to do. We sacrifice where we can sacrifice. We're generous when we can be generous. We don't put God last. We do put him first. But he knows where we live. You know that? He knows when we have children to take care of. He knows when we are out of work. He knows these things. Our heart should not be that we can never do anything. And these are just our, oh, thank God I don't have to do anything for God. That is not what I'm saying. But our, what I'm saying is let's get out of that bondage. Yeah. There's bondage in these things that we don't need to take. God paid for our freedom. But don't take that freedom as liberty to do wrong, right? That's the balance. All right, I am going to... Oh, goodness. All right, here we go. Now, I think I'm going to end there. I'll read what I have written down here. We sow... Well, I'm going to tell you this. You can go to Luke 7... Luke chapter 7. No, I'm saying in your own time, write this down. You can go to Luke 7. And I want you to read about the woman who was a sinful woman and uh, the things that she poured onto Jesus and what Jesus saw in that. So that's, that's homework for you. I'm a teacher. I like to give homework. I haven't given you homework in a while. Luke 7. Um, you can read 7, around 40 through 48. Read about that. But I have written down here, we sow because we have already reaped. We love because we have already been loved. We forgive because we have already been forgiven. We need to stop trying to get and start realizing what we already have. As we do that, generosity is easy and fulfilling the commandments of God is easy. And therefore, pleasing God is easy. Amen? God is not making it hard for us to walk with him or to please him. He's not holding things against us. He's not looking for for trouble with us. He's looking for ways to bless us and love us. And he really just wants us to, to be a part of it all with him. Amen?